Hey there, welcome to The Third Seat. This is the show where we have open and honest dialogues with experts who have a unique perspective to share straight to you. I'm your host, Daniel Trinum with Croft & Frost, and I'm excited to bring you today's episode. As always, all links as well as relative information will be in the description of this episode down below. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's join into the conversation. All right, well, welcome back to The Third Seat. My name is Daniel Trinum, and I am your host today. I'm with Croft & Frost, and I'm really excited to speak to my guest today. Uh, he is someone that, as I've gotten to know him, he is a very intelligent uh, individual, but he is also a very humble and uh, soft-spoken individual, someone that you can come up to and uh, seemingly talk about whatever. He, he, he's open to have dialogue uh, with anybody, and I'm really excited about our conversation today. He currently works and lives here in Chattanooga, uh, right, actually right next to the Tivoli Theater, uh, the, the famous Tivoli Theater down here in downtown. Uh, he works at Freight Waves uh, in, in downtown as well. Uh, and he is, I, I don't want to take up too much of his spotlight, but uh, he's someone that I'm just really excited to talk to today. So Anthony, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here, as you mentioned living here in Chattanooga. Never thought that day would ever come, yeah. <laughs> being a city boy. But yeah. um, no, it's, it's definitely been a, a great time here so far. Yeah, well, great. So before we kind of jump into things, you care just to give a just an introduction of yourself, what you do, uh, how you got here, Chattanooga, like just what you kind of mentioned, and just a little bit about yourself and, and the work that you do, if you don't mind. Definitely, definitely. So as you mentioned, I work over at Freight Waves. I am currently serving as the chief economist there, and it's been an amazing time there so far. Just over three years, so just enjoying the growth that has been had there. Mm -hmm. um, my background is in economics. Um, that was my major in undergrad and grad school and, and school. That was my profession throughout much of my professional career. Sometimes economist roles go by different names. Mm -hmm. It could be a senior business analyst or things like that, but at the core of it, it can still be economics as mm -hmm. well. Um, but no, I've been in Chattanooga for three years. Most recently before this lived in Boston, never thought that I would kind of live or settle anytime soon yeah. in the Southeast. Yeah. Um, growing up in Brooklyn, New York, yeah. and then moving to Arizona and New Mexico, things like that. So I never really had Chattanooga pinned yeah. on my go-to places, yeah. but I am so happy to have had the chance to live here. Yeah, so you've been all over the place. I have, I've yeah. been a few different states, got yeah. to see um, the diverse cultures throughout the US mm -hmm. because it's beautiful to just to mm -hmm. kind of see the different shifts and the different kind of sayings, how people interact with yeah. each other throughout different states just within the same country. Yeah, and what, you may have mentioned this whenever we previously talked, but what exactly brought you here to Chattanooga, aside from obviously you know job opportunities and yeah. things like that, like what is it about Chattanooga that's kept you here so far? For sure, yeah. so when I first applied at Freight Waves, I was chatting with the CEO, Craig Fuller, on uh, LinkedIn, and this was like a little bit on in the earlier days, and I was applying for a role that was in Chicago. So in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, Austin to Chicago, mm -hmm. it makes sense, yeah. I can do that. It's yeah. similar, you know, yeah. mid-large size cities or whatever, and so uh, we started talking, and he's like, hey, how do you feel about moving to Chattanooga? And I was like, thinking in my mind, Where's there's absolutely no yeah. way. Like, <laughs> I started Googling, and I'm like, there's no way I'm gonna what go to Chattanooga. Is a Chattanooga? <laughs> exactly, I'm like, why would I ever do that? And then I came out here to visit, and I was completely blown away. Um, I lived in Manchester, New Hampshire for a little bit, and this kind of reminded me of like a southern Manchester, New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. It's just a really quaint, yeah. mid-sized city. Yeah. It's not overpopulated, though I'm sure some of the 
Chattanooga locals will probably say it's getting a bit to be yeah. too much. It is growing um, from what I've it seen. It is. Yeah. The cost of living compared to Boston was amazing. Yeah. Um, again, I think a lot of the Chattanooga locals will probably say, yeah. no, it's, <laughs> it's getting too crazy. Um, but it was a lot of those different aspects. Being able to live downtown mm-hmm. is so walkable. Mm-hmm. The people um, have been amazing here. So it's really been a, a hidden gem within the South because it's, I initially I thought maybe I would want to live somewhere like Atlanta mm-hmm. and then I go to Atlanta and then I get in Atlanta traffic and I'm like, no, that's okay. I yeah. don't want, I don't want yeah. to do that. And Before then, you even get to Atlanta, you're like, I don't think this is for me. You, no. you haven't even gotten there. You're like, if this is a, if this is the regular, you know, traffic, I don't think I want to do exactly. this. Exactly. Yeah. It's just like, I, you get your fill after about a day yeah. or a day and a half and like, okay, get me back to Chattanooga. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. <laughs> and so it's, it's been refreshing and yeah. it's been an amazing time here so far. Yeah. Well, for me, I mean, and not to harp too much just about Chattanooga, because I know not everybody is from here. So I, I don't want people that are, if anybody's listening, that's not from Chattanooga to be like, oh, I don't, I don't know what it's like there. Like, yeah. But I'm from a very small town. Like I kid you not, the town I grew up in has like maybe a thousand people in it. Like we have, we famously have one stoplight. We're very <laughs> proud of it. Uh, it's, but it's a tiny little place. And so for me, it's like when I come into Chattanooga, I'm like, wow, there's just, this, this big city. Like we've got this downtown, there's the aquarium and the river and all this stuff going through it and you know it's 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 such a i, I love a, one thing i love about chattanooga is like it, it really can uh since it is a mid-sized city currently i mean it, yeah. who knows it could grow and become you know like an, a second nashville for all we know right uh but where it's at currently it, it has something for everybody like that's the thing i love about it you know whether you want that downtown feel we've got that whether you want to kind of be more uh in tune with and living out in nature well we've got a river running right through the city and you can right. live in the mountains if you want to uh whatever whatever lifestyle you want and whatever you want from the city you can get from it and i i just think that's so cool i, I love it um i was always partial to chattanooga growing up because I've told this story before, but if you wanted to do anything besides get ice cream in my hometown, you had to either go to Knoxville or Chattanooga. <laughs> you, that, was, that was the only other only options you had. So I was always partial to Chattanooga, and uh, it's it's a great place. I love it, and I'm glad that we uh, have people like you that have traveled yeah. all over and have, have you know settled down here. It's a great place, and I'm glad to, glad to see you're enjoying it. Yeah, I think that that's a great point that you brought up is the different things that you can do here. And I think that's one of those things where you're looking at economic development, what certain yeah. cities kind of like sprawl up. Mm-hmm. What's that attractive point here yeah. that really is going to draw people here? Is yeah. going to keep the bright minds mm-hmm. within the region here mm-hmm. and not have that essential brain drain effect where yeah. the you know I'll go to school here, maybe I'll go to university here. Mm-hmm. Then as soon as I get my degree, I'm out. And yeah. so, like you said, all those different aspects here mm-hmm. is really cool to see. And I heard yeah. it all kind of started to build around that aquarium being built mm-hmm. out here downtown. That's a huge, a huge thing uh, for from what I from what I'm aware. I mean. I forget they're celebrating some anniversary, or they're gonna they're going to be celebrating some anniversary soon, I believe. I think it's a thirty year. Yes, that yeah, it? that's what it is. Yeah. Yes, yeah, and I mean it, it really is cool. Like I'm sure you've gone to it, but it's a great. It, it's really cool. I think the fact that they they have a it's like a freshwater aquarium is is really interesting because most of the time you know it's like uh, oceanic aquariums yeah. and things like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean that really did a lot for the city of that you know, with you know like the bridge and everything that that uh, Chattanooga is kind of known for. Uh, but no, definitely the the aquarium is a huge piece to just Chattanooga becoming what it is today, and hopefully it'll continue to be something that allows it to grow into the future. You yeah. Know? Um, from your perspective, I'm curious. From what I've obviously over the past few years, there have been you know different cities kind of on the rise, people moving to different, the, the one people always talk about is Austin, Texas, how mm. people have been moving there a lot. Uh, and although I'm not from Austin, there's probably a myriad of different reasons why people have been moving there over the past, past few years. But from what I've seen 
is we're specifically talking about Chattanooga is that a lot of young people like 30, 35 and, and, and under, we'll say, have been moving to Chattanooga, you know, in, in the past few years. And I think it's really cool, one, that it's growing because it seem, it obviously shows that there's something about Chattanooga from a, uh, you know, person like as, as me as someone that's not a business owner. You know, mm-hmm. I have no business uh, ties to Chattanooga per se, but there's a lot of personal things you can gain from it just from the enjoyment of the city, but also economic developments, as you were talking about. From for you, from your perspective, as someone that is in, is an is an economist and you know has a background in economy and, and everything that goes on uh, in that world, what is your take on just the growth of Chattanooga and, and, and the growth that it's seen, and where do you see it growing in the future? Hope, assuming it's going to grow, I, I think it will. Uh, but where do you see the future of Chattanooga? Uh, look, what do you what do you think it's going to look like from your perspective? Yeah, I think when you're looking at Chattanooga, there's a lot of really great factors happening um, for it. So one of them is, I think, the the welcoming of business. Mm-hmm. Like it, it really seems to have an easy route if you want to open up a business, if you want to start a business. So you mentioned earlier, I live right next door to Tivoli. Mm-hmm. Right next door to that is Sleepyhead Coffee. Oh, I love Sleepyhead. Sleepyhead is yeah. amazing. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Brandon over there yeah. and, and the co-owners. And yeah. so it's a really cool spot. And when you see um, young professionals being able to start something up like that mm-hmm. and really be successful and, and have a, a really great following, um, I think that's a, an encouraging sign mm-hmm. to say, hey, we are looking to foster growth. We're looking to make this easy for you. And so one of the things I, when I'm looking at downtown Chattanooga, I look at all these buildings and you know, you kind of walk around and there are some buildings that just haven't been utilized in quite some time. Yeah. And I think we're kind of starting to see some more renovations to some mm-hmm. of those buildings. We're seeing some of those really starting to open up. And that is really what kind of gets me excited. We look at the South Side area. All of there. It's really been able to expand. And yeah. so I think of what can officials do to really kind of maintain that ease of doing business, mm-hmm. make as few as barriers as possible. Mm-hmm. And so when I see that, that's that's really a, a optimistic, a bright sign here. Yeah. Um, the other big thing is gonna be, of course, cost of living. I mean, when you're looking at, okay, I can open a business here, I can you know, move, relocate, all that other stuff. Can I find somewhere to live? Yeah. Can I move here? Can I yeah. afford it? Um, as it stands now, it definitely seems like the cost of living is going up. Of, yeah. of course, people like me screwing it up for everyone else. <laughs> it's from, all your fault. It's all it's my all, fault. Yeah. Moving from larger cities and things like that. And so when when you look at that, you know you can't build. It seems like um, a lot of housing fast enough. Yeah. And when you're looking at the single family homes in uh, Chattanooga, those are really in um, a high demand. Mm-hmm. The other big part that's going to have to happen is multifamily units for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, looking uh, right across from keeping. In the downtown area, I think I, I don't know the name of the the apartments over there, but it's kind of right across the street from that Chili's. But there's like a a new kind of a housing developments and, and apartments and things like yeah. that really kind of sprawling up. Yeah, and that's encouraging yeah. because really multifamily residential construction is going to be, I think, one of those saving graces for a lot of individuals mm-hmm. looking to relocate to yeah. um, Chattanooga because. Those are, it's difficult sometimes to get those built because you have to find, you know, hey, certain, um, yeah. I guess, procedures of saying, hey, you yeah. can't build a structure this high or yeah. you have to pass all this, you know, yeah. tape to really kind of get that structure up. So mm-hmm. as, as long as that's easy to do or easier to do, 
I think the future of Chattanooga is incredibly bright. Um, it's a freight hub here. Mm -hmm. I mean, working at Freight Waves, I'm yeah. going to be an ambassador for that. Yeah. Um, but there's just so many different aspects to draw people to Chattanooga yeah. for sure. Yeah. And you mentioned just a little bit ago about how, uh, I mean, there's going to be, you know, not necessarily abandoned building. There's there's buildings in every city that are underutilized, but mm -hmm. uh, specifically the one that comes to mind is is right now Steam is building their new headquarters, like right in yeah. downtown. I mean, they're renovating this. I don't know. I don't know what it was prior to what it's going to be. Uh, but I mean, they're a great example, and there's all kinds of new businesses popping up all over the place. Uh, just making the most of these buildings that the, sh the shell was there. You know, the yeah. skeleton of these buildings were, were there. We just need somebody to take roots in it. I think it's really cool. It, it really is, is interesting and it shows that, um, to me, people are really taking an actual investment in Chattanooga. It's not just like these huge corporations out of nowhere coming in and just swooping right. up properties and, 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 you know, planting random businesses in here. No, it's, it's kind of homegrown businesses that are really taking roots in the area. I really, really like that. It, it, to me, shows a lot of personality, a lot of culture for the city. Um, and like you said, if we can nail this this housing, uh, you know, kind of hurdle we're over right now, Chad, I think the sky's the limit for it, really. Uh, you know, I, I've talked to... Uh, my girlfriend a couple times about it, I said, you know, I really hope Chattanooga grows. Like, I hope it doesn't lose what makes it special in that process. And I don't think it will, yeah. but I'd love to see it grow because it's it's so special. It really does have a lot to offer for everybody, no matter what your background is, whether you're, you know, from, uh, you know, uh, the northern part of the country, yeah. up, up in the, you know, the, the Boston area, the, the New York area, or if you're like me, you come from a tiny little small town in, in East Tennessee, and here you are, there's something for everybody. And I think if we can, you know, address those issues like you were talking about, there's no telling the amount of growth that we we will have and I hope that if anybody's listening that is not from the Chattanooga area or doesn't frequent Chattanooga give it a chance yeah. uh, it, it's awesome and there's a, a lot of really great a lot of really great uh, things about Chattanooga that I just always try to sing its praises um, something you were talking about which I, I guess you didn't directly mention it but it's been something that I've been I've been really anxious to ask you about I'm curious to get your 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 take on it is Ever since, I guess I'll say like maybe early 2021 up until now, there's been this topic of conversation about the what used to be called the Great Resignation that mm -hmm. a lot of people are calling the Great like reshuffling, you know, whatever you want to call it. But basically, people leaving one place or leaving a job and going to another place to live and to work, yeah. uh, you know, for whatever reasons. Maybe it was because you know after the pandemic, kind of the the first brunt of the pandemic, they said you know this just isn't worth it. This job isn't isn't paying enough for me, or where I live just isn't fulfilling me, or mm -hmm. I want I want to go chase after something else, whatever. There's all kinds of, you know, hundreds of different reasons for why people are kind of picking up and, and moving on to different areas. I'm curious to know what your take on that is, because to me, in my mind, I, I mean, again, there's all kinds of different reasons as to why this is taking place, but it gives me a little bit of hope to know that, at least on the surface, it seems like people are saying, you know what, what I'm currently in isn't satisfying me. It's mm -hmm. not It's not fulfilling my life for what I want. I'm gonna take a step out, whether it's living in a Chattanooga, whether it's going and living in a different area that I'm not aware of, I'm gonna take that kind of leap of faith out uh, and, and uh, see if I can plant roots somewhere else and live a more fulfilled life. That's what it seems like to me, but I'm curious just from your background and your standpoint on things, what you make of uh, this current landscape that we, we, we find ourselves in. Definitely, definitely. I think it's a, a great thought because yeah. there is, it, it, hit, it hits home for just about everyone in, in every kind of industry, really, in some way, shape, or form. And so 
when you're looking at it, I think the latest job openings number just hit a new high, 11.5 million mm -hmm. job openings right now, which is really a kind of absurd number because we don't have 11.5 individuals yeah. for those jobs. Yeah. It's almost double the amount of available labor mm -hmm. for those roles. And so that just kind of shows the overwhelming demand. And so the other big thing that we kind of have to look at is the quit rate. And so that's seen as a sign, not directly, but essentially a form of consumer confidence in a sense, because if you're just you know gonna up and leave your job yeah. for another you know, role. It's a big risk. It is a big yeah. risk, especially yeah. if you're feeling confident and secure about your current position. Mm -hmm. You're saying, hey, I feel good enough about the economy. I feel good enough about my own um, chances of being able to go out into the world mm -hmm. and be able to find something new, secure something else. And mm -hmm. so that just ticked up to, I think, 4% from 3.9%. So it might not seem like a huge growth number for the month. But, but what you're talking about, I mean, you know, a, a nation huge, of people. Yeah, yeah, and it's been consistently moving upwards and upwards mm -hmm. and maintaining a high level for, I think, well over a year now. And mm -hmm. so before the pandemic, I think there was on average around 3 million individuals leaving their roles per month. Mm -hmm. Now we've increased that to 4 million or so per month, and that's been consistently over the last 10 or so months. And so when you're seeing that, it creates this optionality, mm -hmm. this option for individuals to essentially trade up into a higher paying role. Mm -hmm. And so when you see that, that's, that's something that, it, it, it kind of, like I said, it, it's like a pendulum swing in a little bit because in economic downturns, when un unemployment is high, mm -hmm. that favor is going to be in the hands of the employers. Mm -hmm. And so they have all the power. They're getting tons and tons of applications and they're turning people away. Mm -hmm. Now what's the other way around? Mm -hmm. And I think throughout the pandemic, it definitely created that space where people were in certain states because each state kind of handled it a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Certain states were just saying, hey, I'm stuck here at home. I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, I'm reflecting, what is it that I want to do? I am not happy with my current role. It, it created this space and this time to think. And mm -hmm. then when you looked at other states, Texas being one, mm -hmm. Austin being a, a, a region within Texas, being able to open up those possibilities for individuals, mm -hmm. especially these states and regions that want to attract and retain talent doing all they can. Florida was another example. Yeah. I don't know if Florida ever It's also down. got some nice weather. That does, it does. It definitely it is does. a pro that goes along with it. It yeah. does. And so it's like you create all these different things um, to really, I think, pr produce an uh, environment and an atmosphere to say, hey, we're going to really welcome individuals to kind of come here, live mm -hmm. here, prosper here. Mm -hmm. So I think when you're looking at that, that's been one of the big things that we've seen over the last few quarters here. And when we're looking at that great resignation, that great reshuffle, we're seeing definitely that, you know, the, the participation rate is not quite there, but it is increasing. So um, the unemployment rate, I think, is still under 4%. I think it's 3.6% was the last reading. Um, so I think we get an update on that one. I'm in here. Econ nerd, I always like, kind of refresh the economic calendar yeah. to see what new data points yeah. are coming out. Um, so we'll get uh, another look at that one. But when we're looking at that, it, it's the, the composition of the workforce has changed essentially. So uh, before the pandemic, we had um, so a, a generation of baby boomers that um, were in the workplace that have exited the workplace because if they don't have to go through another potential recession mm -hmm. and they can just opt out, then by all means. Yeah. And so that is going to be a, a huge brain drain to uh, many industries because you look at these uh, veterans that have, you know, within a certain segment that have 10, 20 years of experience, 30 mm -hmm. years of experience in some yeah. instances, 
they're gone. That's yeah. a lot of knowledge. It's a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge, uh, and just a lot of people too. I mean, the the baby boomer generation is is huge. You yeah. Know? Um, and so, you know, I, the the thing that always comes to mind whenever I think about this is. So I, I, I had a, I got a, I guess it's weird for me to say had, but I, I, I went to UTC and got my degree in finance. And the thing they always talked about was like, you know, if you want a really good career in finance, something you could do is like consultation or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, advising. Because a lot of the people in that profession, a lot of them are, you know, they're getting to the point where they're probably going to retire or they may be retiring, uh, but maybe in, you know, the next five, 10 years. And that profession specifically, a lot of it is built on just the client base that you have. Right. And so... It's not very, you know, someone like myself, if I were to step into that role, it's going to be so, it's going to take a long time for me to get to the point that someone like that that's been doing it for potentially decades uh, to be able to match that level of of output and and experience, you know. So multiply that by all the people that are going to be retiring and, and, you know, going off and living out their sunset years. Uh, That's a lot of open jobs across across the board, you know, not just in the financial sector, but in all kinds of professions, all kinds of, uh, of, of labor areas. And it's just, in one, on one hand, it's a good thing because there's a lot of, in, at least theoretically, there's a lot of open jobs and a lot of opportunities mm-hmm. for people to you know, move to these places they want to move to or stay if they want to stay and work in fields that they want to work in. But at the same time, we have to have, make sure that we're up to the challenge because, yeah. uh, you know, as we've seen, if you know, the, um, the number of jobs available far outpaces the amount of people that can actually fulfill those jobs, then we find ourselves in a situation like we're in right now, you know? Uh, and not that that's the only thing that contributes to, you know, the current climate of the day, but uh, it's just one factor, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be interesting, I think, to see how that pans out because uh, time waits for nobody. You yeah, know, where yeah. people are going to retire, people are going to close up shop and say, I've done this for X amount of years and it's time for me to finish up. And at some point, we're going to have to step up to that and say, all right, well, it's up to it's up to us now. Yeah. We're the we're the only ones left to do this, you know. Until we get to that point, uh, we're the only ones left to do this. And so, but no, I think you're exactly right. It, it, at least regarding this whole great resignation, great reshuffling uh, idea. I think for me personally, as a young person, it it gives me a little bit of hope to know that. Like you said, when you hear of like the quit rates, people mm-hmm. think like, oh, that doesn't sound very good. Mm-hmm. And you know, some some people quitting jobs may not necessarily be for good. You know, they may not may not be leaving on the best terms. But when you think about it from uh, this idea of people having the confidence to quit, mm-hmm. uh, it gives me a little bit more hope because, you know, it, like you said, it's not that easy just to leave everything you you may be, you may have known, whether it's for a short amount of time or a long amount of time. Uh, there's a lot of risk with that. You you have to find a new employer. That may mean uh, you know, that may have implications for your health care, that may mm-hmm. obviously have implications for your potential retirement, uh, for the money you make, for your housing, all kinds of different aspects. I'm, I obviously don't have to go too in-depth to think about how that affects our lives. And so I think it gives me a little bit of hope as a young person to know that at least not just people in my generation, but people across the board are saying, you know what, we're tired of what we've been doing. We want to try and find something we want to go try and find greener pastures, yeah. you know. Uh, that's that's the way it seems to me. Everybody's story is going to be different. And, uh, you know, every individual that leaves each job is going to be different. But uh, to me, at least on the surface, that's what it seems like. And I, I think that's, one, just very interesting. But two, like I said, it gives me hope uh, and, and makes me encouraged. It really does. As, as someone living in a city like Chattanooga that's growing and, uh, you know, a young person starting my career, I think it's very interesting and it's it's very promising to see, you know. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, then I think this is like the perfect time, mm-hmm. for example. I mean, comparing it to the recession 0809 or maybe a previous recession like in 2001, something like that, mm-hmm. those individuals graduating, yeah. I feel so awful for them because it's like they got into this job market that was just atrocious and they got these expensive degrees, yeah. couldn't utilize them. Yeah. Now is a great time because the pendulum's not gonna be here forever. It's not gonna have a record number of job openings forever. It's gonna yeah. swing in the other direction eventually. And so now was an amazing time to potentially get a job that you have no business doing right now yeah. if you are interested in. Yeah. Get your foot in the door or you know strive for a higher level. Yeah. Um, learn and, and really expand because that wasn't an option for a lot of individuals, you know, 12 or so years ago where they're just looking like, hey, I just want to get my foot in the door. I have this expensive MBA, mm-hmm. but I am taking a job that is completely, you know, well under what my expectations were, you know, when I was going to school. And so this is a time I think a lot of people are taking advantage of that. and. The big thing that I think drives a lot of, well, I think that drives anything, it really is options. If you have a lot of options for available for you, it creates tons of freedom as opposed to just, hey, I just have one thing lined up for me and I gotta follow that path. Once yeah. you have options open up, you can get into decision, you know, a little bit of dilemmas yeah. because you're just overwhelmed with so yeah. many options. And kind of like, yeah, an or paralysis by choice. Yeah, 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 yeah. But once you can like have options, that creates a freedom like, oh, I never considered this, I never yeah. thought of that. And the the great alignment of being able to find what you're passionate about is so meaningful because um, you try that much harder. I used to think that I hated reading. I used to think I hate books. Me I too. used to Me think too. that yeah. until I found books I was interested yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I'm this the same isn't way. bad. Yeah. yeah. No, I've become uh, much of a reader, or a li- m- much more of a reader than I used to be. But no, I was the same way. You couldn't, you could not get me to read 10 pages of anything yeah. when I was younger. Falling uh, asleep, reading yeah. the same line five times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, just the other night, I was like in bed. I was like, oh, I'm going to read this chapter of a book before I go to bed tonight. Like yeah. if you know, I was thinking, who am I? Like, yeah. what am I? What am I doing? Reading, reading before bed. Like I'm, you know, uh, no, I'm the same way, man. That's hilarious. Um, talking about, you know, uh, finding something that you know, having options uh, mm-hmm. and being able to find something that you're passionate about. Whenever I was in school, like I said, I was a finance major, and so uh, going through the gamut of, of of business courses, I obviously had to take economics, uh, micro and macro. Those are some some interesting times. Yeah. I, I got to take those classes with a lot of a lot of good friends of mine. I learned, we made a lot of good memories in those classes, <laughs> uh, but. Economics was always a class where I felt like I was interested in it, but mm-hmm. like it, I, I never felt like I could kind of. I always felt like I was kind of spinning my wheels, mm-hmm. I guess, for lack for lack of better words. Not that I didn't understand it, but it just never. I never fully grasped onto like uh, having a full interest in it. Uh, but when I see someone like yourself, like obviously you're describing all these different factors that affect our lives right now. Uh, I'm curious as to know what drove you to want to study economics because it's something that affects all of our lives, whether we like it or not, what, you know, no matter where you are, whether you're you know, the lowest man on the totem pole or you're at the very top, it affects all of us in different ways. Uh, but as I've gotten older and as I've, you know, been, I'm now removed from school uh, and can look at it from a bit of a different lens, I realize now that there's a lot of different ways, not just from a monetary standpoint, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of different ways you can apply the principles of economics in your lives, in, in our lives, in different ways. And I'm just curious to know, like, what, what drove you to want to study that? Uh, yeah. And, and, yeah. I, I, I didn't know the words for being an economist mm-hmm. when I first, so when I was younger, like six, seven years old, I remember um, 
going into um, you know a classroom and just writing like this fake equation. It meant yeah. absolutely nothing. <laughs> it's like these are all variables, and I'm like, I just yeah. probably watched an episode of Dexter's Laboratory yeah. or something. <laughs> I'm thinking that it, it meant something, and yeah. then I got into algebra. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. this is like an actual thing, and mm-hmm. then you get into actual what variables mean and, and finding an outcome, and then mm-hmm. I love that aspect of really trying to forecast what's going to happen and then fitting pieces into a puzzle and making it all work together. And so when I think of economics, it's like a puzzle piece where the pieces are always kind of morphing and changing a little bit. They're always kind of molding into different things. And so once you can kind of put it in place, I love the aspect of being able to potentially forecast or have some type of Mm -hmm. expectation of what's going to happen. And I also love the social aspect aspect of it because it's technically a social science. Some mm-hmm. economists will argue that yeah. it's a hard science. Yeah. But I'm not going to get into that one. But yeah. um, when you get into the the thought of what drives someone to make make a decision, I love that aspect of like, okay, this this and this happens. Mm-hmm. What's the logical choice for someone to make? And mm-hmm. sometimes you have to think, what's the you know opposite of the logical? What's the illogical choice that someone can make? Because that might be the course that they go in hindsight, if you put yourself in that position. So putting all those factors and variables together, I just love that aspect. Yeah. And so also love that you can apply it to almost anything. Yeah. I had a, uh, a great mentor saying, you know, strategy is strategy, you know, economics is economics. Mm-hmm. You find out the main variables mm-hmm. that really control a certain segment, a certain industry. You mm-hmm. can, you know, figure out 60, 70% of something yeah. within a short amount of time and really kind of start to get your wheels rolling a little bit there. So I love that aspect. Yeah, well the thing that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong because uh, you are the one with the economics degree here, so correct me if I'm wrong, (laughs) but uh, I remember one thing that I did like from, I really enjoyed from my time in, in the few economics classes that I took was a lot of the times it seemed like what we were studying was not necessarily like how the economy was working mm-hmm. because the economy's always been different. Like it, depending on the, the time frame you study and where you're looking, it's always different. But really what it seemed like to me we were studying was if you take, you know, a snapshot of time and you alter this variable, you know, if you move this up or if you move this down or if you control everything else, but you take this one piece of the puzzle and you change it in this way, how will everything else react? Yeah. You know, if, if you if you move the needle this way, if you move it this way, what does the rest of the system do after you make those alterations? That to me is what has stuck to me since then because that's not purely just an economical thing that, that can only be applied in the economy, you mm-hmm. know. They can be applied in our lives in all kinds of ways, yeah. you know. For instance, you're thinking of like, uh, we've been talking about the, you know, the Great Resignation. It's like, okay, if I were to move to this city, what changes then? Like if I, if I cha- keep everything else the same, you know, I'm with, I'm with my same, uh, you know, me and my partner and I got my pet and I'm, I'm going to be living in a place like this. But if I change this one thing, how is my life going to be different? Mm-hmm. And it allows us, like you were saying, to, to forecast, to yeah. look ahead in our lives and say, okay, if you live in this place and, or you work in a job that pays this many dollars, or you work in an environment like this, you can you make a better assessment of what your life is going to be like. And for someone like me that is mildly interested in like the economy, the actual economy of it, mm-hmm. but is more interested in how it affects, you know, our personal lives, that to me is really interesting because there's our, if, if there's anything our lives are filled with, it's variables. Yeah. <laughs> our lives are filled with all different, uh, you know, ver- varying uh, influences and different uh, issues that arise. And so being able to forecast properly and say, okay, if I manipulate this this way or if I change this thing this way, how is that going to impact my life? Uh, that's what it sounds like you're saying. And I, that's the, the thing that always stuck with me 
uh, from my time in economics class and also just from things that I've read afterwards. You know, the, the book that I, uh, you know, everybody always talks about, I'm sure you've heard about it and have probably read is, is Freakonomics, uh, is, yeah. is the one that everybody always talks about. And the main thing, like I said, from that book is it talks about, it, it talks about a lot of different things. So there's, there's all different uh, topics that it talks about, but it, you know, when you take a situation and you manipulate it in certain ways, how do people react? How do we uh, accept the outcome of those situations? And I think that can be applied in our in all of our lives, in, yeah. in whatever uh, facet of life we find ourselves in. It can be applied in those ways, and I just think that's really cool. It is, and I think, it, like you kind of mentioned, it, it all comes down to like opportunity costs, essentially. And mm-hmm. we go through these different types of opportunity costs, kind of calculations in our head subconsciously with almost anything and everything that we do, whether it's, you know, uh, sometimes I think pizza, you know, I get a pizza, I take that first bite, I'm like, wow, this is really good. Yeah. Have my second slice, I'm like, this is still good, but no, not as good as my first yeah. slice. And yeah. then third slice, I'm like, eh, I think I'm done after this. Yeah. And so those, those well, speak mo- for yourself. I'm usually more <laughs> of a, I'm ready. <laughs> first pizza, second pizza. <laughs> and so it's like when you take that and then you kind of apply it to, okay, where is my marginal uh, benefit that's going to be gained from each action I take? You know, sometimes where I'm in a store or something like that and I see, you know, a deal and I'm with my mom or girlfriend or something like that. And it's like, you know, buy three, get one. I'm like, well, I only want two. Yeah. yeah it's like, I don't, I don't really want it. four items. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want the yeah. other one. It's not, yeah. the opportunity cost isn't there. My yeah. marginal benefit isn't there. So yeah. I think that aspect of like even the most micro decisions is just, fascinating at time and when people kind of get into that decision-making process mm-hmm. and it, it again kind of comes back to options if you have options too that also kind of opens up things but no the study of economics is it's just so yeah. you can apply it to almost anything and everything mm-hmm. and I love that that ability to kind of just kind of say hey I can go into this industry that industry because I've been in I think three or four industries now mm-hmm. and um all very different, but once you kind of figure out those variables, it really all, it's all like a symphony, and yeah, you yeah. can kind of see where everything is kind of flowing yeah. in place. Yeah, that's really cool, that's cool. So, me growing up, I mean, uh, I, I would have probably told you different at the time, because I would have probably thought, you know, in high school that I was like the, probably the smartest person, like I knew everything, but in hindsight, I seriously did not. Uh, but my understanding of like how the economy at large works was was pretty much strictly confined to like, oh, how's the stock market doing today? If it's mm-hmm. doing good, then I'm sure everything everything is fine. Uh, which, as I'm, as I have come to learn, spoiler alert for anybody that thinks that that's a, not how it works <laughs> at all. Uh, it's it's that is one very small aspect of it, but there's a lot more to it than just you know green or red, up or down. Um, but I think part of the reason why, at least for me, and I'm assuming there's other individuals out there that take that view, uh, is why that why we believe that is because the economy can be kind of scary, like, well, not necessarily scary, but it's it's a, it's a big beast. Uh, yeah. At least it seems like there's a lot of moving parts and there's all these businesses that work in it. And then, you know, there's, there's all different kinds of factors that influence how uh, the economy can be at any given time. What, for you, you know, again, this is what you've studied and, and what you work in, when you think if you if you have someone you know maybe like me or some you know random person that's never even thought about trying to make sense of the economy, what are some simple ways that people can make sense of the econ- just the economy at large that we find ourselves in? Because you know we've been throwing out different terms like you know you talk about the empl- unemployment rate, mm-hmm. the quit rate. We were talking about just you know the great resignation, the great reshuffling, and all these different things. And there may be somebody that's listening like I don't know what any of these things yeah, mean. Yeah. You know like what is the labor for? What is all this stuff? What are some good ways that people can just make sense? Of 
of what's what's happening and not necessarily you know they don't have not that you have to have an economics degree per se but just simple ways that everyday individuals can assess what's going on and make sense of it all you know for sure I think yeah. so when I think about um, the impacts of different economic things uh, it all varies so for example now we're having um, some would say we're in the middle of a recession we just don't know it yet some yeah. would say nah, it's not gonna happen but at a certain point, it doesn't matter because what's going to matter is what's going on for you as an individual. And so I would say for individuals where they start hearing about certain things happening, you know, a big news item, a new, you know, economic indicator that shows this or shows that, mm -hmm. thinking to themselves, what does it mean for me? And how does this impact me? And then you can kind of kind of draw out that, okay, what does this mean for my family? What does it mean for my region? What does it mean for my state? What does it mean for my area of employment or you know and you can kind of start to grow outside of that but i think sometimes when people look at certain indicators certain maybe the stock market or interest rates mortgage rates things like that mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not going to care about the mortgage rate if i'm not even thinking about buying a house yeah, you know yeah. and so or interested in purchasing a car and making these big other big ticket items mm -hmm. uh, purchases and so i think when you start looking at what does it mean for you and then kind of starting to expand slowly out, I think that's gonna be a lot more calming for a lot of individuals. Mm -hmm. um, not to say that some large economic you know, movements don't really kind of sway what's gonna happen for you, because it, in a sense it does if you just look at you know, mass amounts of job openings or you know, no jobs at all. Mm -hmm. But um, going back to like my days of an executive and economic consultant, um, there are always moves to be made in any kind of economic environment. And so I think first and foremost, if you can control what's happening in your household, mm -hmm. that's gonna make the world a difference because you can make impressive amounts of gains throughout recessions mm -hmm. with not saying you know stock markets per yeah. se, but you know a lot of growth could be had and it's just saying making the right moves at the right time. Mm -hmm. um, and really being able to um, not have, I would say, have a plan of action or a goal to achieve, mm -hmm. but those change all the time. But if you have something that is not quite obtainable, not just like a check mark that you just mark off the list, like, all right, I did that next. Mm -hmm. But if it's just like a principle that you almost live by, that you're striving mm -hmm. for, yeah. I think that's really going to kind of satisfy getting closer or further away from that goal. So, yeah. for example, um, maybe you want to be... Um, you're, you're an undergrad mm -hmm. and um, you want to get a degree and say accounting and finance. Mm -hmm. And so you got your degree mm -hmm. and then that's the goal. Now what? You don't now know what? what's yeah. it. And so he's yeah. like, all right, now I want my. Which is real for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. And mean, you get your CFA and you're like, yeah. all right, now what? Yeah. But if you have a goal of like, all right, I want <clears> to say, for example, um, really create wealth or I want to um, be able to advise individuals. And so if you kind of keep aligned on that goal that you have, mm -hmm. and then you kind of assess whether or not each decision you're making is taking you further away from that or closer to that goal, mm -hmm. I think that's gonna be the perfect thing for you. So I, th I think when you can, you can get into some of the economic numbers, what does it mean for you? Mm -hmm. But I think if you have that goal and that mindset that I say, hey, I can really strive and inch my way closer to whatever my goal mm -hmm. or my interests are mm -hmm. in any kind of economic environment, that's yeah. the best thing. Yeah, and, and not to be too cliche with what I'm about to say, but I do think it really, I know it's certainly applied in my life, and I think it applies from what I've, you know, people I've talked to, to most people's lives is, obviously there are, there are goals we should strive for in our lives. There's nothing wrong with saying, I wanna graduate with this kind of degree, or I wanna get my CFA like you were talking about. Those are great things, and it's great to check those off and say, look what I've done, I, I have something I can be proud of. 
but I think oftentimes, again, not to be too cliche, but a better mindset for things like this is uh, is appreciating the journey more than the destination. You yeah. know, uh, I know that's talked about all the time, but it's so true because. You know, like you said, you want you want to get a degree in accounting and finance. Okay, you do that. Yeah, that's great. Then what? You know, yeah. the day after yeah. graduation, what then? You know, I remember after uh, after I graduated, you know, we we had the big ceremony, and everything. It was really cool, and I got back to my apartment, and I was like, all right, well, that was fun. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. I, I don't have my degree in my hands. Like uh, that's what do I do now? You know, so yeah. I didn't know what to do. You know, because at some point the kind of the shine of it all wears off, and you're you're just left with you and who you are. Um, and so I think if you take that mindset of not focusing too much on did I accomplish this thing or mm-hmm. did I reach this milestone, not putting too much uh, stock in that, but appreciating the journey you've taken to get to that point, or maybe you didn't get that, maybe you maybe you fell short, which mm-hmm. there's no shame in that. Uh, taking the journey as a whole and saying what you've learned, what you've gained from it, and how you can then apply that to your life going forward, that to me is so much more beneficial than any, you know, uh, than any one goal, you know, yeah. uh, because you can take those lessons you've learned, those experiences you've had, and objectively apply them to your own life, you know, uh, and then you're better able to assess your life going forward. You're better able to forecast, like we've been talking about. You're better able to look at your life and say, okay, if I manipulate it this way, or if I uh, change this, you know, if it, if you, if I change this this aspect of my life, how am I going to react? Uh, a, a great example is people always talk about is is like their health. You know, yeah. it's like they always want to lose this many pounds. They want to look this certain way. They want to feel this certain way. Once you've had, you know, you appreciate the experiences and you learn from the experiences of your life, you're better able to look forward and say, okay, if maybe if I, if, what would what would my life look like if I lost this many pounds or mm-hmm. if I ate this way or if I exercised three times a week, whatever it is, you're better able to do that. I believe you can yeah. you can realize and visualize what your life would look like if you change these different aspects, and from there, you, there's no telling where you can go from there. In in, in my opinion, uh, I think that's a great way to grow in your personal life and collectively that does a lot of good for you know everybody as a whole i think exactly yeah. it's, it's one of those things where you do these certain things and it takes care of itself so mm-hmm. for example that you you pulled up you know uh, people's like i want to lose 15 10 pounds or whatever it might be yeah. but if you you can lose that weight and not be any more healthy or yeah. not be any better off yeah but if you have that goal of like i want to live a healthier lifestyle, all right? Mm. What does that mean? Yeah. All right, so you cut out certain things. Now your uh, micronutrients is a little bit better. Your macronutrients yeah. a little bit better. You're going to the gym a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So once you kind of start putting those overarching overarching goals mm-hmm. in place and you can really kind of make those drives towards it, everything else take care takes care of itself. And mm-hmm. I think you're exactly right on really being able to benefit from that journey that you've taken. And really also I think there's cheat codes in life potentially sometimes where you're able to really gleam insights from people that have been there already. I mm-hmm. think of all types of mentors, friends, individuals that are everyone I meet that, you know, there's a quote that everyone I meet is my superior in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. It's my duty to find out what that thing is. And mm-hmm. if I can find out whatever the instance is, if it, even if you're in currently, say someone's watching right now, they're in an awful work environment and they don't have that many options right now. But there is still certain things that you can kind of glean that you can learn from, from certain people that you might not even like that much. Mm-hmm. You can learn from them. You know, Take all those other things aside and just say, all right, what is this person really good at and how can I absorb that? How mm-hmm. can I learn that? How can I take that with me? Or having mentors that have done something similar to you, where were their pitfalls? Where were their areas of growth and opportunity? How were they able to kind of 
move along. And so I think those are some cheat codes to kind of move along in certain aspects, but mm-hmm. I don't know if it creates a certain field of mastery in a sense, but it definitely gets you, I think, on the right track a little bit sooner. Yeah, that's awesome. That is great. Uh, that that you perfectly summed up uh, my thoughts on that exactly. And, and I think that's, I hope that whoever listens to this is able to <laughs> is able to kind of decipher everything we're talking about and, and make sense of it all. But but yeah, I mean, life is complicated. There, there's there's so many different factors that influence us and impact us in negative and positive ways. And so uh, being able to not put too much stock in just one thing and not let just mm. one thing define you is so oh, important, yeah. I think, good or bad. You know, uh, being able to better assess the lives that we live and, and, and appreciate the whole life that we have lived and what we have, you know, ahead of us. I think that's that's incredibly important um, and something that I definitely try to do uh, as much as I can. And uh, I hope that whoever listens can do that as well. You know, um, you were talking about how you are or have become more of a reader. I don't know how long you've been you've been avid or actively reading. I guess I'll say for me, I have definitely become more of a reader in the past few years. Mm-hmm. I was, as I mentioned, I was not a reader growing up. I would, if I ever had to read anything for school, I would read just what I was required, and that would yeah. be the end of it. Uh, but I'm curious, you know, we've been. I briefly mentioned one of the books, Freakonomics. That was I, I really enjoyed that book actually. Uh, but what are some books? Not necess- it doesn't necessarily have to be about you know economics or the economy. Mm-hmm. But what are some books that you've read that you enjoy that you would recommend to just anybody about anything? Uh, I hate to put you on the spot. No, I'm sorry. I, for me, I hate being put up like I hate questions where it's like, what do you think about this thing? You know, because uh, then I'm like, oh, I've forgotten everything I've ever read. You know, no, so, I, but I hate it. to put you on the spot. <laughs> but yeah, what are some uh, what are some books that you've you've, re- you've read so far that you would recommend to people? Definitely, definitely. No, I love that. I mean. It also, I also start using my Audible account as well. Yeah, um, a I've lot never actually. Li- so our audio. What, what's your? Sorry, this is totally different. What, yeah, what's yeah. your take on audiobook? I've never, I've never listened to an audiobook before. Really? Not that I'm against it. I just no, never have. I, it, it's a game changer yeah, for me. So really? like, um, when I was living in Boston, yeah, and there was that point in time where I was living in the Boston area, Massachusetts area, but commuting to like an hour and a half, two hours inside of New Hampshire, mm-hmm. and then vice versa. I was living in New Hampshire and then commuting to Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Throughout those long car rides, I'm just like, I am listening to this radio, and I'm listening to the same eight songs in rotation, yeah. the same <laughs> three commercials for the fifteenth time. Yes. Yeah. And so, like, I can be doing something to absorb and yeah. learn a little bit more. And so, audiobooks was uh, uh, just, and, and certain podcasts as well were mm-hmm. just a way to just kind of absorb something and, and really kind of, I feel like learn a little bit while mm-hmm. I'm just kind of stuck in gridlock traffic yeah. in the middle of New England yeah. during the winter or yeah. something like that. A so wonderful time. A wonderful like. time. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't tried it, I recommend it. <laughs> but um, so th- those are the, some of the aspects I love about audiobooks. Just like It's like this passive learning. And yeah. throughout 2019 into 2020, I got obsessed with walking. Mm-hmm. And so I would walk for like an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. And I would just put in an audiobook and just kind of walk around Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. And um, it was, you know, I, I got a little bit more healthy. I got my yeah. steps up, you yeah. know, um, things like that. Uh, maybe I should probably start doing that again. <laughs> but I also got, a, a, I was able to really just pack in a ton of knowledge. I would yeah. re-listen to books because I think you kind yeah. of miss things some, the first time around and then you pick up something else some, that's new. So sometimes I'll go through the same thing like three or four times yeah. and I'll just kind of gather stuff and have a rotation. But I really find myself appreciating a lot of stuff put out by Robert Greene. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has a book called Mastery. I've loved that one. Um, just really the, what goes into being a master at a craft. Mm-hmm. and the different aspects of 
becoming a master in a field and really um, the different types of, of people that have achieved mastery in history. Um, another one that he put out, I think it was 33 Strategies of War, mm -hmm. um, where you kind of look at uh, historic figures and how they navigated certain situations. And so I love that, that strategy mindset, that, mm -hmm. that mastery mindset, and really being able to navigate human behavior, learning more about yourself, what drives you, what shifts your decision making, and then meeting different type archetypes of individuals, and you can really find out what really drives them and that to say that that's going to be like a manipulation of on them but really an ease in a relationship because it's a, as an economist everything's just like a social science mm -hmm. it's just like all right how can i find homeostasis easily while satisfying both you know needs of like hey i got a friend that is into xyz mm -hmm. people would never expect us to be friends but yeah. this is how we mesh and so yeah. there's so different so many different ways of human nature that really kind of meld into each other mm -hmm. and the more you know about yourself the more you learn about human nature yeah. and um different things like that I, I i just love but no what have you been reading i know freakonomics was one yeah i read that one a while back uh i just finished what was the book i just finished um I actually just finished. I'm not. I'm. I, I'm notoriously a nonfiction reader, so I've been okay. trying to get more into fiction. Uh, and I just finished a book called The Cuban Affair. It was about this guy. It, it's a. It's a fiction book, but uh, I bought it after a recent trip to Key West, and so I was like, yeah. "This guy's. A, I'm gonna. I'm gonna read about you know more about Key West. I really enjoyed it." Uh, but currently, uh, I'm reading by probably my favorite author so far. I'm reading a book by Malcolm Gladwell. It's called. It's one. Not his most recent one, but the the second most recent one called Talking to Strangers, yeah. uh, which for me, part of my job is, is that. I, I just think it's, uh, I wanted to see what he has to say, but it's a lot of kind of what you were talking about, how economics can be applied as a social science. Mm -hmm. A lot of what he studies and writes about are social sciences. And I, I really love his angle of, uh, of what he describes and how he, he, he somehow, I don't know how he does it, but he takes something that is like a nonfiction topic, but he makes it so enthralling. Like he, the yes. way he writes and talks about it, it, it's almost like it's a fiction story. You know, yeah. it, it just, I'll be reading and just reading and reading and realize, oh my gosh, I just read half this book. Like I, was yeah. like, I didn't even realize, like I just got so into it, you know? Um, so I really love his books. Uh, prior to that one, not earlier this year, it was a pretty, pretty hefty book. It was a pretty big one, but it was called The Splendid and the Vile. It was by a guy named Eric Larson. He, it was about, uh, it was during World War II, and it was about specifically Winston Churchill during uh, kind of the, the bombing of England and, and London, everything going on during that time. It was a great book. It's a big book, but it was a great book. Yeah. Uh, so highly recommend it to anybody out there. But yeah, he was someone, he was definitely an interesting character, but the thing about him that always, after reading that book that I've taken away, is his spirit. Like he never, in the worst times and in the best times, during that whole, uh, you know, the invasion and everything going on to that time, he was great at keeping the spirit of his people mm -hmm. high and keeping the morale of his people high, no matter what was going on, whether, you know, they were constantly getting attacked or not. Uh, he was such a leader of his people. And I just, it was a really cool story. Again, it was a big book. So yeah. uh, whether you want to read it, you may have read it, but anybody that wants to read, it's a great story, but it's a very big book. So yeah. or at yeah. least for my standards, it was a big book. Somebody may look at it and be like, oh, that's not too big. <laughs> but for my standards, it was a big book. Um, but yeah, man, that's, uh, who, who was the, did you say it was Robert Greene? Is that what you Robert said? Robert Greene, yeah. but yeah. I, I'm also a big fan of Malcolm Gladwell I love Malcolm. as well. Yeah. Um, and I also appreciate how I, I think he gives, like he grows mm -hmm. and 
I, I appreciate the fact that sometimes they'll say like, hey, I don't agree with certain aspects that I've written mm -hmm. about already. Yeah. And I think that's awesome because mm -hmm. we change, we develop yeah. as humans. And yeah. we, I might look back at this podcast, I'm like, I don't agree with anything I just said. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that guy? Who yeah. is that guy? <laughs> but I love that aspect of yeah. human nature, of that journey of being able to go down a yeah. road and really being able to develop and seeing who you are. And I think the other book that you're mentioning of that leader really keeping morale high, yeah. I think it touched on an amazing aspect of how important soft skills are. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the big things I think, you know, throughout my studies, um, throughout my, you know, student athlete times uh, in, in the collegiate level, sometimes that soft skills mm -hmm. are just a huge difference maker. And I, I wish it was kind of honed in a little bit more throughout mm -hmm. my, my studies and things like that. Yeah. But soft skills can make the world of a difference. And it, you mentioned change an entire yeah. landscape of a war. Yeah, yeah, it, um, it seriously did. I mean, it took them quite literally from the brink uh, all the way to where they're at now, you yeah. know. Uh, but yeah, those soft skills are something I'm learning more about on a daily basis, but they are definitely, I mean, they're crucial to who we are as individuals and how we interact with the people around us. And uh, you, you couldn't be more right. Um, before we kind of wrap things up here, so you mentioned, I did this question I'm about to ask you was not planned beforehand, but you mentioned how you, do you say you grew up in Brooklyn? Is that correct? Or was, uh, did I, did I miss? I bounced around a little bit. So but, yeah, I was born and raised in Brooklyn until yeah. about 10, moved to Arizona yeah. from 10 to 18, yeah. and then off to New Mexico to study and play football, yeah. and then New England. And yeah. So a lot of bouncing around. So you, you, you're a well-traveled man, I guess I'll put it that way. Uh, to a two-pronged question here. Mm -hmm. So the past few years I've been traveling more than I have in the past, visited some different national parks. I mentioned I been, went to Key West and uh, my, my, me, me, my girlfriend, my sister and brother-in-law last summer took a huge road trip to Texas. It was a great time, but uh, it was a long drive to say yeah. the least. But uh, I'm curious to know what's, of the places you travel, just in, you know, whether international or domestic, what's like your favorite place that you went to? Mm. And then of the places you haven't been to, where do you like, where's your dream? Oh, I gotta go there. I gotta go there. Yeah. You know, at some point I gotta see that place and see what it's like there. Right. Uh, just out of curiosity, what, what that's like for you. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed my time in Arizona. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard it's beautiful. It is, and yeah. it's something there for everyone. So yeah. as you mentioned with Chattanooga, it's, it's very similar to Arizona. So yeah. if you want, more forest and a little bit more winters mm -hmm. and snow. You can go north, you can go to Sedona for the mountains. They have snow out there? They have snow, you can go I to Flagstaff, there's gonna That's be crazy. snow. Yeah. Um, you can find skiing out there. Yeah. You know, there's, there's all these different parts. If you just love the dry desert heat, congrats, there's a lot of stuff yeah. there for you for dry desert heat, but there yeah. is something there for everybody. If you wanna get a little bit closer to the water, there's, you know, lakes there, mm -hmm. things like that. Not gonna be the ocean, but California's a short drive away. Mm -hmm. um, I would say the only thing I didn't quite enjoy as much about Arizona. It's just that it's so corporate in a sense mm -hmm. where um, like the restaurants, it's gonna have every single major chain there, mm -hmm. which if you're into a certain chain, you know, great for you because yeah. it's gonna find there. But like yeah. when I was in New England, um, different parts of uh, Massachusetts, different parts of New Hampshire, there was really a seemed like this an initiative to really make sure that there's like, you know, local businesses, things mm -hmm. like that. So um, that might be a, a potential knock on Arizona. And then of course, if you're not a fan of the heat, that could be another yeah, one as well. Yeah, that definitely seems like a, there's a factor. Up yeah, there. yeah. <laughs> they are, gotta go up north, go to Flagstaff. Yeah. But um, there are just so many different areas to it. So I really enjoyed Arizona. Yeah. Um, visiting, I did not want to enjoy California at all. 
I didn't want to really? enjoy San Diego. That, was, that, was that the part you, vis- you visited? I, I, I've been through different parts of California, mm-hmm. but San Diego was just amazing. Really? Um, because, you know, in my economist mind, I'm thinking, oh, cost of living is awful. Mm-hmm. There's all these, um, you know, regulations that gets in the way of doing business yeah, and yeah. all these other, pol- it's just like, so I'm thinking about that from an yeah. economic standpoint, but then I get there, I just go to like places like Laguna and I, mm-hmm. I look at that beach and I'm looking at, you know, these homes right around the water. I'm just like, this is beautiful, this yeah. is amazing, you yeah. know? And um, so that would that was an area that was a really like a bright surprise for me, mm-hmm. but Chattanooga is climbing up there for yeah. me rapidly. Yeah. Um, We're coming for you, Laguna. Yeah. <laughs> Come for you, Laguna, exactly. The avocado toast is much cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's definitely been awesome yeah. just to kind of see different parts of the, the, the states, but definitely looking forward to kind of um, you know, branching out to different countries. Um, Canada has been one. Mm-hmm. Montreal um, just got back from a nice little vacation to Turks and Caicos, nice. and nice. so looking to work the way to Europe, yeah. um, Asia. Would love to go to Japan after studying Japanese for a little bit. Got to brush up on some of that. So definitely looking to kind of get outside of the the mm-hmm. U.S. a little bit. Yeah, nice, nice man. Well, Anthony, first off, thank you so much for coming in. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, it's been. Very interesting just to see how your mind works and, and see what you've been doing and to, for someone a little bit on the outside looking in, break down you know, how economics is not just about the economy, but yeah. how it can actually apply to our daily lives, where whatever, whatever avenue of life you find yourself in. Uh, I greatly appreciate your time and, and, and talking about uh, just all these th- different things today. Before we wrap up, uh, I always want to give you know, our guests a chance to just have the floor, whether you want to give somebody a shout out or you want to talk about what you've been doing or you just want to say thank you, you know, whatever you want, whatever you want to do, the floor is yours. Uh, oh. And just thank you so much. Yeah. On the spot. No, um, <laughs> I know. I appreciate you. Thank you, Daniel, for, yeah. for reaching out and having me here. It's been awesome. No, I, not too, too much to promote. Of course, I'm yeah. over at Freight Waves. If you're in logistics, come check us out there. We have something for you no matter what part of the supply chain you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, Shout out to my mom. Hi, mom. Hi, grandma. You <laughs> shout know, out to all the moms out my there. Girlfriend. Hi, yeah. Megan. You know, everyone out there. So um, all the shout outs. But yeah. uh, no, thank you so much for having me. This yeah. has been awesome. If anyone wants to reach out, um, for sure. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook. I don't know how to work Instagram, but I have that as well. <laughs> I'm trying to learn how to use Twitter yeah. again. Yeah. Um, not the best with some of those tech things. Yeah. But, um, um, but yeah, feel free to reach out. Anthony Smith on LinkedIn. And not that there's not... A lot of those out there yeah. like that, but <laughs> you're the um, only one out there only one yeah. only one yeah. of only one so yeah thanks so much for having me on yeah no problem we will of course put all the you know the necessary links and everything to his linkedin and social medias and uh links to freight waves and and all the work that you do over there so if you all want to check him out or check out freight waves and uh feel free to go on down to the description and uh see what they got going on but again thank you anthony for coming in it's been a pleasure speaking with you and meeting you and i really think everybody will enjoy our episode today so So, yeah, that is going to be it for today's episode. Uh, We hope you all will tune in next time on the next episode of The Third Seat. Thank you so much. (laughs) 